With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Chance for Gabbiadini, yeah! His comments! Hello, hello, it's Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County fan podcast. We're here to look back once again on all Rams talking points in our Halloween podcast. Derby's away record may be truly terrifying at the moment, but you can't scare him off that easily. You right, Anton? <laughs> all right. And uh, he went to Hull and back at the weekend. Got a soaking for his troubles, but he's still smiling. Evening, Tom. I'm looking forward to my treat, Chris. And that finally comes. <laughs> Haven't said what it's going to be yet. Uh, so before we crack on, Steve Bloomer's Washing is partnered, of course, for the season with our good friends at Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. So do check them out. And while you're there, give us a cheeky little subscribe to the podcast as well. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And we really would appreciate a cheeky little review on Apple Podcasts if you'd be so kind. Now then... We're nearly a third of the way through the campaign. Derby is 16th. Some would say we should be higher. Others would say we're lucky to be where we are. But we're getting towards that part of the season you do feel when a championship is starting to take a bit of shape. Uh, There were two contrasting results and performances since we were last with you. That papering over the cracks last-minute winner against Wigan at Pride Park midweek, followed by an improved showing, it's fair to say. It's uh, fellow mid-tablers, whole city but nothing to show from it and with Forrest just around the corner it isn't about to get any easier for Philip Koku and his unconvincing Derby County side any time soon. Uh, Tom we'll start with Hull. We were both there, we made the journey up there, you had a bit of a horror show coming home I believe, more on that later but it was another failure to win on the road but it's fair to say I think this one was certainly it felt a lot different to the uh, to those 3-0 pastings at uh, Brentford and Charlton we were well in it weren't we until at least the hour I think uh, would all agree on we had a goal disallowed had plenty of the ball and Philip Cocker said it was actually one of our best away performances all season so how did we end up losing 2-0 I wouldn't necessarily disagree with Cocker in saying that it was a, a decent performance from Derby I thought for a lot of the game we did as you say dominate uh, possession we did have chances the reason why we lost I think a bit of naivety defending. Uh, Too many times we got caught on the counter having lost the ball in midfield and the whole players were sort of swarming, often having overloads against our defence, which they struggled. And I also think missing chances. We missed, I would say, two great chances uh, in the first half, one from Lawrence and one from Martin. Uh, We also had a goal chalked off, which I'm not sure about at the moment. Um, So missing chances, that bit of naivety. And obviously the naivety then comes into defensive errors. So we've got problems at both ends of the pitch for me. And that's where that's where we went wrong on Saturday. I'm not sure what feels worse, Anton. Like uh, losing away from home when you play well and you feel you deserve something. Or getting battered away from home when you just haven't turned up. I think it was definitely the first, the first one. 
against Hull at the weekend, but as Tom said there, defensive lapses for both goals. We'll come around to uh, to the chances Derby had in, uh, in due course, but the actual opener, which sort of decided the game really, because it was pretty even until then. I think both teams did have chances. Bit of a catalogue of errors, really. Who was who was most at fault for for Hull City's opener for you? Yeah, I think it was it, as you say. It was a catalogue of errors, really. That the whole defence seemed to be defending as individuals as opposed to kind of defending as a unit. There were there was it was far too easy to create space in bet- behind them. Um, too many individual mistakes, and it was just far too easy to to create those opportunities for Hull. I, I don't think it was limited to those two goals that there were other chances for Hull throughout the game um whether you can kind of put the blame on the fact that it's it's obviously a new centre-back pairing they haven't played together too often but it just wasn't a unit back there it was it was far too easy Bogle looked a little bit off the pace which it's it's a little bit of a worry um which he has over the last few weeks after returning from injury hopefully that turns around soon but yeah I don't think it was there was one person to blame it it was the whole defence for me let's just pick apart those uh, individual mistakes. It starts from the ball coming back out, having been cleared. And I think Belik's way too slow. He doesn't look like he's pressuring the, uh, putting any pressure on the he whole. Doesn't player. read it, does he? He doesn't anticipate it. No, he just sort of he sort of puts a half-hearted challenge in to try and block, but he doesn't really get any good angles or any into a position where he can defend. Bogle then watches the guy flick it past him and then stands and appeals for offside. It's a really, as you said, basic error. Um, Anton, you mentioned something about Clark not following his man, but then equally, Lowe doesn't get up high enough at the back post. The guy's two yards out. He's also probably two yards wide of the post. He's got an incredibly difficult header to make, and Bowen buries it really well. A really good finish, but um, could Lowe have really put himself about a bit, even if he just jumps high and tries to make himself big, keeping his hands down and jumps up uh, with his head and be is a bit braver? We could have we could have avoided that goal so easily. I think it's a little bit harsh on Lowe, um, given the fact that he's got two men in the middle. Um, he's kind of gambled and gone towards the man towards the front post, which I think is the correct decision in in that position, really. Because if a ball comes low over the cross, it, it over the across the area low, then it it would be a really simple finish for that guy in front. So Lowe's kind of come across to cover that. The fact that it's gone high towards the far post, Lowe's got a lot of tracking back to do and Bowen's got the jump on him at the far post. It's, it's a very difficult position for Lowe to be in. Um, we all know he's not the biggest guy um, and the best in the air anyway, but it, it's a difficult defensive position to be in. He, he should have more help back there. Before that, of course, uh, Derby had had their own chances. Tom Lawrence having a goal disallowed in the second half and uh, Tom Lawrence also missing a, a pretty decent chance from uh, a nice Kieran Dow through ball, which was basically the only positive contribution that Dow really made from what I could tell. How important were those missed opportunities in turning the game, Tom? Uh, hugely important. I think if uh, I think if Lawrence manages to finish that one about the half hour mark, which is a beautiful little flick through uh, by Dow, I think it puts us 1-0 up. We were in pretty much control of the game, I thought, for that last 15 minutes of that first half. Uh, Martin, he does brilliantly to get to the ball. He then just doesn't manage to turn it home from two or three yards. Um, arguably, Dow could have done a slightly better at the half volley. Those two chances, if we go in 1-0 at half-time, I think we win that game. I think we can see that, that whole team out. We wanted to play more of the football. I thought we wanted to play uh, attacking football, and we did take the game to Hull. Uh, for the first 60 odd minutes but the the disallowed goal really really took the wind out of the sails and it was a different game from then on we we had so much possession and we seemed like we looked like the home team I thought and as, as I tweeted at half time and we were basically restricting Hull to to break in at pace 
on the break for most of the first half. And I think that's what will frustrate us most is that Cocker will know there was a decent performance in there for a large part of the game, but we got nothing from. A disallowed goal, Anton, big limbs from the from the Bloomer boys in the way in the away end for about one and a half seconds before uh I think it was me that pointed out to you two that it had been disallowed. Me and um, Cutch were hugging, yeah. Yeah, Cutch, <laughs> you, you're, you're having a moment. I had yeah. to get in there and break it up. Um, yeah, like some, some great work from the build-up. In, in the build-up, sorry. A, a, a decent ball from Bielik, great run from Holmes. Nice little pullback and, uh, and, and the sort of excellent cross that we've come to expect from, uh, from, from a fullback in Bogle who, who has got assists in his locker. The referee was, was patting his arm afterwards as if to suggest it was a handball. I haven't really, to be fair, I haven't really seen a decent enough angle of it to be to prove conclusively if it was or not. We don't have the the, the benefit of video technology or anything like that in, in the championship. I think I'm right in saying. So, could you see what's wrong with it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched it back several times, um, like you have, and it's difficult to really pinpoint the reason why the referee has disallowed it. As you said, you you pointed out that the referee had pointed to his hand, but. I definitely didn't see a handball in there. It seemed to come off his back, I think, as he as he turned round. I thought it looked, if anything, um, more like a foul. I didn't think it was a foul, for the record. Um, but I think what um, didn't do Lawrence any favours was the fact he kind of turned his back to it and, and kind of led with his shoulder, which is the reason why I thought it might have been given as a foul. I don't think it was. Um, the Derby fans clearly didn't think it was, and, and I, th- I think it should have stood, and it would have been a different different game after that had it stood and probably a different result as well the uh, one of the people who was involved in the build-up was christian bielik i don't think we've talked about in in a huge amount of detail recently from what i remember because he is one of the players who was coming for a bit of stick in light of uh, of, of the run we're on the uh, you know the the horrendous seesawing in in form that we've seen home and away uh, or in results wise anyway uh, i thought it was better in patches against Hull and you can you can tell as we've said that he does have the the physical attributes but at the same time there there's clearly just parts of games where he's he's sloppy isn't he he's he's sloppy and he just has lapses of concentration happened against Wigan where he gets he gets caught on the ball um happened against Hull where he gets caught on the ball and I tweeted something similar during the during the Wigan game that he can quite easily breeze past a couple of players show quick feet, get Derby moving in the middle of the park, but when there's a pass on, he'll like, you know, he'll he'll play a ten yard pass and give it away. What do you put that down to yourself, Tom? Do you think it's the fact that he is maybe do you think the price tag is weighing on his shoulders too much? Is he trying a bit too hard to prove himself? Or does he is it just pad habits? Does he just take too many touches on the ball? Um I think the price tag is maybe an interesting one because ten million pound is a record signing. Um we should point out man? that it's a fee rising to ten million pounds. It's what yeah. was it about five with add-ons or something like that, give or take. I mean, I'm not sure on the exact details. I just know that various internet things say our record signing is ten million. So, but either way, like it's a big fee. There's various internet things. Various <laughs> internet things. Well, no, no that, show your resource. No one can ever uh, accuse us of not fact-checking. No, I mean, I don't. Know. <laughs> anyway, various internet sites that are, could be you studied history as well you should be able to know that yeah <laughs> who knows who knows anyway he's, he's quite an expensive player regardless and according he... to www.football.com <laughs> <laughs> I can see I'm not going to get anywhere with this point <laughs> <laughs> sorry <Harry. laughs> um, no he's he's obviously an expensive player he is only 21 but 
is it complacency or is it arrogance? Does he think he's better than... I mean, he dominated League One last year. Having watched Charlton four or five times uh, live and also uh, on TV, he was able to just destroy midfields on his own. He's now coming up with people who are a bit more streetwise and he seems to be like a, a 14-year-old who plays in a 13-year-old league and he's just bigger and stronger than everyone and now everyone else is catching up with him. But knows that and gets sloppy. Yeah, and I think he's. I think he is complacent at the moment. I think sometimes he, he's brilliant excellent crossfield pass uh, in the first half out to the left wing where we put in a I think it was um, low putting a good cross into the box um, the pass for the the goal which is disallowed is is a great that's what you want to see from him and so he's got the ability but he gives it away too many times too many touches turns when he shouldn't do and it's it's just frustrating to see really frustrating come to think of it he actually did it against Charlton as well it's almost as if he feels like he has to beat someone not just once but sometimes twice before he can just pop off a simple 10-yard pass. And I just wonder, Anton, I know you're going to chip in there, the problem that Bielik has maybe is that good players aren't just the ones who have physical prowess or the technical skill. They're the players who know when to do the simple stuff. They know when not to overcomplicate things. Yeah. And right now, Bielik doesn't know when to do that. Yeah, I was literally about to say uh, it's all about the decision-making for me. He's clearly got the physical attributes. He can... He can beat a man and really start an attack and he, he is a good ball winner as well. But it's, it's when he doesn't have too much time to think about things and he, he tries to do the difficult thing when perhaps the simple ball is on. He needs to learn that and he needs to learn that quickly. That that could be the difference between a championship and, and League One, which he was in last year. He probably had a lot more time to think about what he was doing and a little bit more space to go on those marauding runs. Let's he, not forget that his pro career is basically one season at League One. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, he's still young. He's still learning the game. And it's definitely something that the coaching staff can teach him. So hopefully they can identify that and, and they can work with him to to try and take the simple ball on sometimes and, and just go on those morning runs when it is on. Because when he does lose it in those positions, being a defensive midfielder, it means that it's a really dangerous opportunity for the opposition. And it's highlighted by the Derby fans because it leads to a good chance for the opposition. Having said that, I do like him and Shinny in midfield. I think it provides a really solid base for us. I think Shinny has, has come in and done a, a done a really solid job. Um, I think Bielik will learn from him because Shinny is a bit of a no-nonsense. He'll always run and he'll put the tackle in and he'll get in, involved. And I think that's the attitude that I want to see Bielik uh, try to sort of implement. At one stage against Hull, uh, Bielik was the man who lost the ball. I think it was a poor cross from Lawrence. It came out to him. And who was charging back there? It wasn't Bielik, it was Shinny. And Shinny got back in to, to not block the shot, but get in the way of uh, the, the best sort of angle to shoot. And in the end, the whole guy, uh, guy spun it wide of the uh, far post. That's what I want to see from Bielik. Okay, fine, you've lost the ball. Now, how, how quickly, how much effort are you putting in to get back and to, to rectify that mistake? Because we all make mistakes, is then what does he do afterwards? And I don't see enough from Bielik to try and go, right, I'm going to take this game by the scruff of the neck. I've made a mistake. I'm going to go and try and try and win the ball back and that's what I'm not seeing from him it's almost as if he just thinks oh I'll, I'll get another chance without having to do much to uh, you know to make an impression on this game or make a key contribution um, whole second goal we're not going to dwell on it for too long but more pretty sloppy piss weak defending really uh, difficult to pin it on one person in particular but it did raise the question which a few fans have been talking about since and we have talked about it ourselves about how long Matt Clark or Curtis Davis, to be fair, has how many chances they have in this team. And if we do keep on conceding goals, if we do keep on failing to win 
away from home, if we do continue to defend set pieces and crosses as badly as we have, is there a change? And if so, who is it? I know that someone pointed out to us on Twitter that Davis is actually ranking lower for match performances than Clark at the moment. But I do still think Davis is the better person to have in the team. Um, and it's also interesting that someone pointed out that Clark does seem a bit timid in terms of uh, where he passes the ball. And he's not always a fan of opening his body up and, and giving it left to the, to the left back. He tends to play it safe a bit too much. But if it came down to it, could Andre Wisdom slot in, do you think, as a third centre-back or a replacement centre-back for Matt Clark? And if he does, at what point do we make that change? I think that they still need to, as Anton said, they still need to give this partnership a bit of time. Uh, Davis has only been in the team for sort of four or five games and Clark's had a spell out of the team and then back in the team again. And like partnerships develop. Davis is experienced and I think he gives the ball away too much at the moment. But I do think that's because in front of him, there's often no one showing. So he gets a bit frustrated just going centre-back, left-back, centre-back, centre-back, right-back kind of thing for the passing. And that's why he tries to force it and he gives it away because he's not good enough as a ball player. Um, I'd give them two or three more games. Um, I want to see them cutting out the mistakes going forward, as in passing the ball forward. And I want to see them actually making sure they track runners. I think, uh, Anton, you put, pointed out that Clark didn't follow his runner uh, for the first goal, which meant that Lowe was left with an overload at the back post, uh, which is why maybe he got under it. And I, I do agree that Lowe wasn't to blame for that, but Clark could have helped him out a lot more. Um, so I'd, I'd give them two or three more games. See, see what they're doing and then maybe Wisdom comes in is he fit Wisdom if he is then why is he not not in the team and if he is fit is he training hard enough like Koku's the one who sees him day in day out I can't remember the last time Wisdom played for Dark we had that one 10 minute spell as a defensive midfielder about 3 or 4 weeks ago didn't he but he hasn't really been seen since I mean Anton if there's one game where surely we can keep a clean sheet and build confidence at the back it's against third bottom Middlesbrough in our next home game who haven't scored in three and haven't won in seven. So 88th minute, some longer winner for a one-hand defeat. <laughs> Almost certainly. They're, I mean, they're, they're pretty much as bad as us defensively and, and worse than us going forward as well. So it's, it's definitely an, an ideal opposition to come up next. Um, going back to the centre-back pairing, I, I do agree with Tom that we, we do need to give this partnership a, another two or three games. But... I mean, patience will wear thin amongst the crowd if if we do continue to make these mistakes and, and look looking so frail defensively. Um, I, just, I just think Forrest could be the breaking point if yeah. if that goes badly. I think uh, there'll be so much pressure to make changes. Not that anyone at the club has to listen to the fans; like they make the decisions. But I just think that could be the you know the the straw to break the camel's back in terms of uh, chopping and changing the first eleven, doing something different. Yeah, I, th- I think Koku's got a slightly difficult decision to make with Clark because it, it's clear that he's lacking in confidence. Um, so I, I, th- I think they could do with it a couple of games out just to take him out of the firing line a little bit. But whether dropping him would help with that, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. So obviously the, the people behind the scenes will know what will be best for Clark or at least hopefully know what, what will be best for Clark. The difficulty is we don't have an abundance of options back there wisdom is one definitely um other than that there's not too much going for scythe potentially but we don't have a an out and out center back to to come in to replace him just with clark he doesn't look massively confident that much of the time but i see what you're saying about dropping him because would that really it would just make his brittle self-confidence even worse and it's almost like the lawrence conundrum again really you 
if you want someone to improve and get over their mistakes and build a relationship with their teammates, you've got to keep them in there and keep them plugging away, you know? And um, it's a real quandary for Koku. And frankly, I'm not quite sure what the answer is. I do think we were isolating individuals in Davis and, and Clark here. Um, I do think defensively it's a it's a team thing and I think too many times against Hull we were caught with runners from midfield where we were overloaded at the back you can't defend four on three five on four Um, you get caught out and then you do start to make mistakes because you're stretched constantly Um, and Hull created far too many good chances due to the considering their possession and the 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 territory they had um, because we weren't tracking runners enough from midfield Uh, and in addition I I know we've banged on about it again but time and again but Kalarus, he can't catch a straight ball at him. Like he did a mistake at Wigan where he dropped the ball into the middle of the middle of the box. Uh, a mistake I thought against Hull where he parried one which was basically straight at him into the middle of the box. And yes, he's made some good saves and fair play to him uh, in both of those games, to be honest. I just don't trust him. And if the ball comes into the box and you're a centre-back and you're thinking, where's my goalkeeper? What's he doing? Oh, and he's rooted to his line. He's not going to do anything. No wonder their confidence is shot. We need a better goalkeeper behind there. It's a unit and it's a defensive unit and it's weak. And I think it's not just one individual's fault. Well, yeah, more more on that after the uh, after the break. But uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I feel bad for for bringing up Ruse again. Well, you did actually, but um... <laughs> I'm not saying he played badly at the weekend. I'm not saying he played badly against Wigan as well. Um, I just don't think that he looks like a championship goalkeeper. And watching him, I think the players in front of him look terrified. They don't they don't trust him to do do the basics. And I totally agree when I watch him. He terrifies me every time the ball goes anywhere near the Derby goal. I think the, the thing is like. So we scored against Wigan late on, but even after that, there was like a couple of minutes play left. At one point, Wigan got a cross in and it was literally straight down Ruse's throat. Proper bread and butter stuff. Just into hands, get down on the floor, put your body on it, waste 40 seconds if you can. But he he, he flaps at it. He sort of half punches, half, you know, half sort of flaps it away. We conceded free kick a few seconds later. Obviously, that's nothing to do with him. It's someone else who, who conceded free kick, but... It's partly as a result of his actions. Wigan get a free kick about 35 yards out in the channel, a chance to pump it into the box, load the area. And as long as he's there and as long as he struggles as much as he does with really easy crosses, you have to say, we're just going to concede chance after chance. And there's only so many times you can get away of doing that. We're going to get punished. But we should also point out, I think he did make some really good saves against Wigan and against Hull. Had a one-on-one against uh, Wigan, where maybe the Wigan striker could have done a bit more, but he still he made himself big, but narrowed the angle, cut out the shooting chance, uh, so that kept us in the game, and uh, he made some decent stops against Hull as well. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we've got a question after the break about how many players you change from this team, and with each game that goes by, I'm not getting any more confident in him. Are you, Anton? No, I mean, as, as you mentioned, he, he has made some really good saves over the last few weeks, um, in particular against Wigan, um, saved a penalty a few weeks back as well. He, he is a good shot stopper, um, but as, as as we've been talking about all season, you, you just don't feel too confident with him, um, with crosses into the box in particular, and, and good oppositions will identify that as an area that they can profit from. Um, I, I don't think it's any great surprise that we've conceded a lot of set-piece goals and, and crosses this season so far because teams will know that it, they've got a good chance of scoring they, they don't want to take a shot at Roos from 20 yards out when they can put a cross in um, and put us under pressure that way so it's something 
that definitely needs changing. Um, again, similarly to the centre-back issue, we don't have a, a huge number of options. I know we've got Hamer um, on the bench, but who knows whether that will be a huge upgrade. It's only a matter of time before he does get a chance, I think. Um, but uh, definitely in January, we'll, we'll have to look for someone new. I'm going to point out two things in Ruse's defence. Firstly, Derby's best chance against Hull came from a free kick, which Hull's keeper spilled. So happens to the best of us. It's not just him. Secondly, I was really debating whether to mention this, but how much of it comes down to the atmosphere at home? Yeah, I mean, Derby fans have never been the most sort of positive, and when things go wrong, there's all sorts of moans and groans at home. But there is an expectation there at Derby, and we are a club which has been frustrated over 11 years of near misses and players who aren't quite good enough here and there and I think there's a lot of dead wood in that Derby squad at the moment and I think we're almost in need of a a bit of a a reality check and realising that we're going to finish 15th or 16th this year if we're a bit lucky a bit higher a bit bit unluckier we'll be a bit lower I think that's a realistic thing and I think actually we need to get rid of some of those players and there's a whole list I'd get rid of and bring in and restart and just restart with some of these young players who are coming through. They're not ready for the first team yet, but as soon as we're safe, I'd be playing the likes of Knight, Buchanan, Bird, etc. Just trying to get see if they're ready and capable of playing in that first team for next season. I wasn't really expecting the answer to that question to be sack everyone, play the youngsters. <laughs> <laughs> it's, got, com- it's coming, Chris. You've gone in a different direction for that question than I thought you would. I think what I meant was, you know, the stuff like sort of the, the reception that Ruse gets when he, he spills a couple and then catches one. But I think... The, the the thing with that is that some fans will construe that as like sarcastic cheering, which doesn't do Ruse any favours and, and is just so harmful to his confidence. But I think a lot of it is people like cheering out of like relief and, and happiness to try and genuinely encourage him. So I think I think sometimes that can be a bit misconstrued. Uh, but you, you're totally right in pointing out that, yeah, the atmosphere isn't always great. I think at the moment we don't seem to take that long before the uh, before the boo boys make themselves heard, but again they are always the ones who get heard over the positive fans when things go badly, which is a point worth making on that score. Anyway, we um, I really wish I'm brought it up now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll crack on with a bit more Derby County discussion in a few seconds. In the meantime, you can follow Steve Bloomer's watching on social. We're on Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod. And you can search for us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Lee, interesting. Very interesting. Oh, look at his face. Just look at his face. So... Before Hull, there was Derby County 1, Wigan Athletic 0. A simple question, Anton. Do you think we'll have a less convincing 1-0 win all season? <laughs> It'll definitely be difficult. It was, yeah, complete contrast to the result on, on Saturday and the performance on Saturday. We were pretty dreadful and completely lacking energy again throughout. Um, but we did manage to get the win, which kind of shocked me. It probably shocked most people. Um, but we got three points, which was really important, actually, um, considering the performance over the last few weeks and the number of points we've picked up certainly in the last three games three points was massive um ground it out despite the performance a really good result 
Derby clearly didn't play very well against Charlton. And I know you guys picked that apart last week. Then when we played against Wigan, there's there's just that bit of nervousness. Um, but I do agree with you. It's that lack of energy and the lack of sort of desire to get across to the ball to to try and stop a cross. And it's not charging around like a headless chicken. It's it's applying the appropriate amount of pressure or or covering the correct areas at the right time. And there just seems to be a, a nervousness about some of the Derby players, especially, I guess, when they play at home. But it's not just at home, it's away from home as well. I definitely would have com- commented on this last week. Just didn't think we um, some of the players were putting in enough effort to to do the basic things right. But eventually we got the result um, and a great touch from Martin, a great finish from Shinny. Yeah, one player who wasn't nervous, as you mentioned there, Tom, was uh, Scottish box-to-box haggis-munching maestro, Sir Graham of Shinny. What a strike that was. What a hit. On his weaker foot as well. Yeah, unbelievable. I, I didn't know he had that in, in him at all, but absolutely arrowed it into the top corner. It was a lovely goal, actually, um, all round. Um, lovely touch from Chris Martin, as Tom mentioned. And it was just an unstoppable strike. Um, probably... Won't see many of those over the course of the season, but what a time to do it in the 92nd minute. With the, with the way that game had gone and the way I was, I was watching it on TV at home, I was just waiting for, when he hit it, I was just waiting for it to just continue rising above the bar and just go flying <laughs> into the south stand. So when, one, uh, one of those optical illusions where it looks like it's going in the top corner yeah, and it actually goes out for a throw. Goes 15 yards <laughs> wide. Yeah. So, yeah, when the top corner bulged, it was, uh, yeah big things happened in the in the Parsons household that night oh, I bet it was a really true true strike from Craig Bright I mean Graham Shinney <laughs> reminiscent number four Craig Bryson Bryson, Bryson 2.0 yeah um, I thought the ball in from Holmes was a good one as well uh, in from the I'm pretty sure it was Holmes who put it in to Martin um, it was actually and it's funny you mentioned that because uh, a few people said to us and mentioned the fact that uh, Holmes is one of the players who hasn't really shown a terrific end product in recent games which I think is partially true it's a bit harsh on him because there are other areas of his game where he's brilliant. Like there was a particular passage against Hull where he, he must have carried the ball about sixty yards upfield on the uh, on the counter attack, not for the first time. And he's 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 really good at like getting you know reacting to the second ball from um, defensive clearances and, and getting Derby upfield. But yeah, he, his delivery for Shinny's goal was decent, but he's not great at, at whipping it in behind the behind the centre back giving defenders something to think about with a, a cross or a, or a crossfield pass or, or a cheeky little through ball. Yeah, I, I do agree that his, his end product isn't that great, actually. Um, I, I love Holmes as a player. He's definitely one of my favourite players in the team and, and he gives gives the whole team something that not many other players give us. But I, I kind of much prefer him in a slightly deeper role um, rather than a more of a playmaker role because he, he doesn't have that eye for a pass that many players do. Sometimes his decision-making isn't great. He's so good at, at picking up the ball on the half-turn, beating players, opening up spaces for other um, attacking players in the team and then kind of giving it to them and then letting them do the business. It, it, his game isn't really whipping in these great balls and and creating assists in that way. He's much better at carrying the ball forward. I I see what you're saying. Um, and I think if you're playing Bielik and Shinny, Holmes in the centre and deep doesn't quite work. Maybe if you had one of those. So I can see it in the future being perhaps uh, Shinny and Holmes in the middle and Holmes and trying to provide that energy. But going back to Hull, I actually really liked Holmes on, on Saturday. I thought he provided a lot of energy. Um, he did carry the ball with frustrating at times, you're right. But he was a real sort of driving force and creative force just by the fact that he put the effort in and he was, he was an example of desire and effort and things like that we wanted to see and he created that through his 
through his pressing and through his running. Yeah, um, one player who you can never accuse of, of lacking energy or stopping running or not showing commitment is Dwayne Holmes. Yeah, and I thought I think he exemplified that with with that on Saturday, but also with the ball in late on, he's obviously popped up on the left left wing back sort of position and put a good good ball into to Martin, who's laid that off for Shinny to to thunder bastard it into the top corner. <laughs> um, and I think he's I think he's done all right in the last couple of games. And I would I mean, who else is going to play right wing? Waghorn, not for me. Uh, Flojo again, not really. So keep him there. So that does bring us on to uh, quite a good listener question that we had in. I just put the call out for any thoughts that you guys had on Twitter about the current team, about the form, where we go from here. And uh, Jack Brown tweeted us to say, how many players do you think this current team is away from challenging? For me, it's at least five, a new back three, a top-notch winger and a 10. However, we could possibly have that with Rooney. I agree with him there. Don't think we need a 10 because we have got Lawrence and Rooney. Yeah, a winger's a good shout and a centre-back. Um, definitely an entire new backline but I would say in terms of being genuine consistent top six contenders again I think I hate to say it new goalie probably one new centre-back I mean let's not forget at the end of, end of this season with Keogh being out now we'll probably have, have no centre-backs basically on the books with Clark going back Keogh his career being over and Davis Will he get will he get another year? I don't know. So how old is Davis now? Thirty four, I think. Thirty four. Yeah, Might yeah. be wrong. Um so yeah, goalie, at least one centre back, maybe two, and a winger, I think. What about you, Anton? Agree with pretty much everything there. Um goalkeeper and, and one centre back are definitely high on the priority list. For for me, we've said it in recent podcasts that the wing position is the top priority. Um I'd say we'd probably need at least two. Um, decent wingers Whether that that could come from the, the youth team as well we, we've got lots of good players coming through the books whether they're ready just yet um, I'm not sure so we need at least one kind of more experienced winger to come through you look across those three kind of behind the striker whoever plays up, up in that number nine role you, you wouldn't say any of those three whoever plays would fit into any of the top six teams really the only one with any potential is Lawrence but we all know that he's pretty inconsistent at his best he would potentially fit into one of the sides up there but the rest of them aren't really good enough to be in in the top six and we've said it before we we do have a mid-table team at the moment I do yeah I do agree and so I'm not going to add too much more to the uh, sort of playing side the thing perhaps that frustrates me about this derby team is we don't have any wingers so why are we trying to play with two wide men in the sort of three behind could we maybe change this formation change the system to suit the players that we have actually got could we for example either play a 5-3-2 so you drop Bielik back into centre back because he wants to play there Shinny in front Holmes and then either Dowell or Lawrence um, in the sort of eight position as a sort of more advanced three uh, sorry third member of the, the forward line and then you can put Jack Marriott or Tom Lawrence depending who you've played in midfield partnering someone like Waghorn and uh, or Marriott, and then you've got Lowe and Bogle providing the width. Or if you want to stick to a four-four-two, because I think we need two players up front, Waghorn and Marriott work, and Martin for that be- that batter uh, work much better in that position. Could you then have like Holmes as a right winger, and then someone like I don't know Dowell as the the left winger, and then have Shinny and and Bielik in front? Um, I just think that we the system isn't quite right, and I think that's what we could change to improve that Derby side. You meant you're mentioning Dowell up there, and I just don't think there's room at all for him in the first team at the moment I think he he blew his chance on Saturday basically but 
yeah, five at the back, five three two is isn't the worst idea. I mean, it would solve the issue with of of getting more width going forward because the the fullbacks would bomb on theoretically more defensive solidity. Although the thing is with three at the back is that they both need to be able to cover those wide areas behind the fullbacks. And uh, let's be honest, like Davis and Clark may struggle to do that themselves. As I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. And the fact that Waghorn and Marriott both play better in a two would solve that conundrum to an extent as well. So it's just what you do with the uh, with the three in the middle. I still think it's square pegs in round holes. Um, and I still think it's, it's not perfect, but is it just a bit better? If we are struggling to create chances and score goals, can we not get our best finisher in the team uh, in the entire squad in the team in Jack Marriott can we not get someone to support him in Chris Martin or Martin Waghorn because at the moment Martin Waghorn's stuck out on the wing and he's he's not effective too many times is Ma- Ma- uh, Martin isolated can we get Lawrence maybe out onto the left as sort of a a, a left midfielder as a, in a 4-4-2 I know it's not his position but is it better than having him floating around not doing a lot I don't know I'm not a manager and I don't know what the answer is, but I just think at the moment the four-two-three-one doesn't really work for me. My big issue with the five-three-two is that, and and previously earlier in the season, I I, I was quite supportive of the five-three-two, but we don't have any, many centre backs, and and we've been discussing the, this podcast that we're, we're short on centre backs, even playing four at the back. So dropping another player into the back means that we've kind of accentuating that issue. Um, I I definitely agree that we need to play a bit more centrally to, to suit our strengths. For me, the the most suitable formation at the moment is a 4-4-2 diamond, um, which would kind of bring Lawrence into his best position, number 10 or Rooney when he comes in or, or someone else um, to play behind the two, obviously the, the front two, um, as you've mentioned, and get around that problem of the width. The only thing with the 4-4-2 diamond is who are the three you play behind Lawrence? So I presume Shinny at the base and then do you have Bielik and Holmes in there? Yeah, I, I feel like that would be quite a nice balance. I was thinking Bielik at the base and Shinny and Holmes in the middle, maybe. I, I think Bielik goes forward too much to be on his own in that defensive midfield. Um, for but if it's Shinny, who's going to score the injury time worldies in the, uh, <laughs> if, he's, if he's stuck in his own half? Where's Craig Bryson when you need him? <laughs> That's all well and good. We had a uh, we had a few comments from uh, some of our followers on Twitter as well, just about the uh, the current goings on. Uh, Joel Klein said, uh, "Frustrated at the moment, but also expected this. I feel we need a season to consolidate and get the squad to where it needs to be under Koku. He needs a few transfer windows to really make his mark. Boom or bust hasn't worked over the past five years. Time to stick and not twist." Not aware for any minute suggesting uh, uh, changing manager at this point. That would be ridiculous. Uh, Rob Wilcoxon said, um, I dearly want to stick with the manager, but the Clement style of play returning is depressing. I don't want to see another three years of passing between centre-backs. I'm not sure what the answer is or whether Koku would be willing to change. I think we can all agree that uh, that Koku's going nowhere. Um, at least trust in the projects for a few more months before we even consider making drastic action if Koku Koku's got the entirety of this season at least for me um, even if we end up finishing as low as say 20th or 21st if we get relegated or in danger of that that's potentially a different proposition because clearly this this Derby team is good enough not to be relegated and I know that it's all that thing on paper but if someone isn't capable of motivating this Derby side to not at least not get relegated then then they deserve the sack but I do think if 
we've got to stick with Koku. We've got to allow him to build a team. Uh, we've had seven managers in seven seven years um, who started the season, certainly. And I think we need to have a bit of consistency. And I'm not, I definitely don't want to change Koku uh, this season. I'd like to keep him for the next at least two or three years. That all depends, Anton, on where we will finish this season, I guess. We put it out to a poll over the last few days uh, with almost a third of the season gone, uh, 14 games gone, where Derby County will finish this season. Quite uh, quite clean results on this one. Um, just 5% think we'll finish in the top six. Uh, 45% said 7th to 12th. Uh, 45% also said 13th to 18th and only 5% said they would think Derby will finish in the bottom six. So the main takeaway there is no one reckons we're going to go up or go down. Probably a, se- a season of mid-table consolidation. It's just how good or bad it looks on paper. I think the thing we have to consider is at what point we do accept that this is going to be a mid-table season because... Yeah, there's still plenty of time, plenty of games to go, um, two-thirds of the season left, and history has plenty of examples of other teams who have only really got going in October, November, even December. I think a mate at work was telling me that Villa was 16th at this point last season. Um, Fulham were comfortably mid-table Christmas two years ago, but when Mitrovic arrived on loan, then he fired them into the playoffs not saying it's going to happen, but um, the the comparisons are there. But it's difficult to really see this as a promotion season because the comparisons to previous seasons are so damning. I mean, it's a fact that this season is our second worst start to a campaign since the Nigel Clough days. Uh, we're six points behind Lampard's season last year in 11 places, seven points behind Rowett's team at this point last season. Nine points and 11 places below Paul Clement's team from 15-16. Eight points and 15 places down on uh, the Steve McLaren team from 14-15, when we're actually top of the league, shouldn't have mentioned that. And uh, a single point down on 13-14, although we just changed managers in that season. The only campaign in recent years when we've actually been above... um, above currently where we were then was the uh, disastrous Nigel Clough se- Ni- sorry Nigel Pearson season where we were four points below what Derby County currently have but obviously we uh, went on to change managers something which we're clearly not going to do anytime soon so how do you feel about overall Anton um, do you think we can write it off as a transition season now or do you still have hope that something can be achieved in the 1920 campaign. Yeah, I think the key difference with the comparison you were making with Fulham and Villa is that they did have a lot of quality up and down the pitch. They they were kind of one of the favourites going into this, those seasons. Were they and, underperforming and, and, and more they, than we they, were? they were hugely underperforming given the quality in their teams. So it was only a matter of time before they went on a big run and, and once confidence was building in the squad, it, it wasn't too difficult for them to maintain it with Premier League quality players. Derby don't have that at their disposal. We, we do probably have a mid-table team looking at um, the quality um, that we have at our disposable uh, at our disposal sorry Rooney will obviously make a huge difference when he comes in in January he he is one of those Premier League quality players that that is a, is a bit of a game changer but it won't be enough I don't think to to really make us go on one of those runs I, I think we we have to accept that it is going to be a mid-table season 
and I, I've personally not got a, a huge problem with that as long as recruitment is is good over the next two transfer windows and, and Koku really starts to mould his team into the style of play that he wants we should be much stronger this time next year and we should have a much better chance of pushing for those top six places. I would uh, I totally agree, but I'll just say one thing. I um, think 27th of October 1995, Derby signed Igor Stimac, who then made his debut on the 4th of November 1995. We lost 5-1. We were 17th, 18th in the league. We ended up going a 20-match unbeaten streak and we ended up finishing second. Now, this Derby team, as Anton says, isn't, I don't think, it's the same quality as that uh, Jim Smith side. But, you never say never until realistically it's not going to happen. I think it's not over in terms of this being a mid-table season. But if I was a betting man, which sometimes I am, but uh, not for this moment. But if I was a betting man, I would certainly be saying that Derby are probably going to finish mid-table. And I'd agree with 90% of our, our people on the poll there. Before we wrap things up, another thing that we certainly can agree on uh, is goal of the month. For October, which, as you know, is sponsored by The Tap, the uh, Victorian pub in walking distance from Pride Park. Um, so Derby scored five goals in October, which included... Uh, I know, yeah, I'm surprised as you are. Which included uh, one penalty, one tap-in, one own goal, which leaves uh, which leave Tom, Tom Lawrence's fluke against Luton and uh, Graham Sheeney's goal against Wigan. Is there any point in debating this? Well, should we all agree it was Tom Lawrence gets Luton? I, I really like the own goal, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is a great finish. <laughs> that keeper's had a bit of a nightmare, the Luton guy. He's, he's, since, he's since been dropped as well. Yeah. He put in a great dive to uh, into the back of the net and everything to really make to really make the most of it. Yeah, This is a no contest, Graham Shinney, for me. Really? Yeah, nothing else to add, really. Next Good, question. fine, let's move on. Um, Tom, before we wrap up, episode 66 you've got a you got a bit of trivia for us have you not yeah well Kutch and I were playing this game on uh, on the train to try and alleviate our our boredom having been delayed at various stopping points on the way back down to London um, just a just a four and a half hours for you in the end uh, so yeah we went through quite a lot so I've gone a bit left field with the where am I today I had to check that Derby have played them in recent memory and we have so that's all good Chris uh, whole city <laughs> incorrect <laughs> <laughs> so my uh, my first clue for both of you um, obviously I'm going to give you a few clues, uh, say your name, and then give me your prediction. First one is, I'm 60.5 miles from Pride Park. That's not far away, isn't it? Chris, Stockport County. Incorrect. Anton Macclesfield. Incorrect. Second clue, I have had two football league teams call me home. Chris. No, it's not Sellers Park, is it? It's my guess. Sellers <laughs> Park. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> Anton Northampton Town. Boom. Correct. Yeah. Oh, right. Coventry, was it? <laughs> Played there? Coventry, yeah, indeed. Yeah, that, that was the one that got me. My other clue, which I had to make sure that uh, Derby played there. Derby last played here in a 1 0 defeat in July 2017, but have not played competitively against this side at all since 1967. Uh, I've replaced a ground in 1994 that used to be part of a cricket pitch. Uh, my capacity is 7,798. And my team's nickname relates to Doc Martins, which were once made in the town. So yeah, well done, Anton. What are they again? What's the nickname? The Cobblers. Oh, yeah. They're shoemakers. That's so. the one, yeah. 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 Good. Good shoe facts. Right. There we go then. So that's it for this podcast. Uh, as I said, give us a follow. Give us a subscribe on the various podcast platforms where you listen to us. But until our next podcast, we'll be back in a couple of weeks hopefully with some goals and better results to talk about post-Forest. 
kind of dreading it already to be honest <laughs> but Tom thanks to you thanks very much and thanks to you Anton cheers Chris see you again soon